Welcome to Arise Esther, a podcast for today's Esthers, women who are ready to rise up with courage and faith like Esther of old, who stepped up to lead when life was tough but faith was fierce. Hi, I'm Dawn Scott Damon, your podcast host. I get to talk to some of the most resilient women on the planet, all who faced trials head on and triumphed. Now we're here to help you do the same. So turn it up, Esther. This is your moment. Well, did you know, my friends, that in 1930, one in 30 people were diagnosed with cancer? But for the generation born today, one in two will be diagnosed with one or more cancers in their lifetime. The cause? Well, years ago, the American Cancer Society laid the blame on the shoulders of genetics, but now we know better. 90% is due to lifestyle and environment. We must make changes. My guest today has been featured on CBN News, Charisma Magazine, Atlanta Live, CTN's Home Keepers, and American Family Radio. She's a counselor, an educator, a speaker, a wellness advocate, and her recent book, Unleash Your God-Given Healing, Eight Steps to Prevent and Survive Cancer, was written after her very own personal journey with an aggressive breast cancer. She has this book written with the commentary and forward from an oncologist who was also a medical researcher and now has won this book three awards, the Golden Scrolls Award, CELA Award, and a Blue Ridge Award. She'll tell you more about that. She has a cancer and prevention wellness blog at JennyBrandt.com. Today, would you welcome on Arise Esther, my guest, Jenny Dent. Brandt. Welcome. Well, thank you for having me again. It's a pleasure to speak with you and give out truths to so many people today that need to hear them because I certainly wish I had heard these truths earlier. Yes. And we want to hear about your story. This is our second opportunity to be together. And I'll tell you, the first uh, podcast did very, very well. Lots of listeners and people are extremely interested in this subject. So give us a little bit about your story. You had an aggressive breast cancer. In fact, it was missed on the first few tests that you had. Is that right? It was. It was missed on three mammograms. And I was diagnosed just four months after my mother had died from breast cancer. So I was still in a grief, a state of grief. And then I find out by finding the lump, not from the mammograms, I found it after a Charleston run I had done that night, my ring got tangled in my nighty, And as I tried to free it, I felt the lump. So it's my sister said it was the providence of God since missed on three mammograms, but it was a shock, Don, just a total shock because I was somewhat of a health nut. But I would learn in my research as I was on my knees, Lord, guide me, Lord, you know, remove the veil from my eyes so I can see what caused this. There are eight risk factors for the breast cancer I got. I didn't have one of them. My doctors did extensive genetic testing on all 84 genes. I didn't have any risk factors by genetics. And yesterday, my OBGYN, I had my yearly physical, and she said, Jenny, and I've heard this so many times from so many doctors, you know, cancer is 90% environmental, 
and what we do, it's only 10% genetics. Mm. You know, it's important to find out if you have those genetic factors, but I couldn't blame it on genetics, you know, even though my mother died from it, she was 82 years old. So it sent me on a quest to discover what caused a breast cancer, aggressive breast cancer, and a somewhat of a health nut who had no risk factors and no genetics. And I found my answers. And I'd really like to center our conversation today specifically on breast cancer, because one in eight women are getting it. And this may be a big surprise. A certain number, much fewer men are getting it as well. And that should not be happening to that degree. But this is the day and age in which we live. And they could tell my mother, she was taking hormone supplements from menopause up to 82. They can say that they told her, that's the reason you got a hormone fed breast cancer. It's in the eight risk factors. They could not say that to me. So I went on a quest to discover why. And the Lord showed me answers. Some were through research, some were through accident or as you might say, again, his, his providence. I wasn't looking to find that out, but as I was praying, God, things happened that showed me, oh yes, this is a risk factor. And I wanna talk about some of those things today. Risk factors not mentioned by the American Cancer Society that are just coming to light. Well, your research did that. You connected a lot of dots and you did discover some of those risk factors. So let's get into that. I, I would love to hear what are the risk factors that you've discovered and that you've researched. Would you like for me to start with the ones that the American Cancer Society says? Because they are definitely valid and people need to know this. And every time you go from a for a mammogram, they're going to ask you these eight questions. Okay. Uh, number one is maintain a healthy weight estrogen stores in your fat cells. And so maintaining a heavy uh, of the right weight is important for all cancers, but specifically breast cancer. And then um, leading a sedentary lifestyle where you don't move and exercise enough. That is called the new smoking, according to doctors today. That is a risk factor for all cancers, including breast cancer. And then smoking, of course, affects all cancers and drinking not in moderation affects all cancers. Alcohol is a risk factor for all cancers, including breast cancers. And my doctors told me be cautious in my situation about even drinking a glass of wine. Uh, it would have to be very rare just because wine is estrogenic. And I was like, oh my goodness. So you've got those four. And then age is a risk factor. When you turn 60, your risk factor goes significantly up for all cancers. But there are three that relate just to breast cancer, especially hormone-fed cancer. And one is taking birth control pills. This has been known for some time. Increases your risk of breast cancer. Mm -hmm. um, not breastfeeding increases your risk of cancer because breastfeeding actually lowers your risk for breast cancer. And the other one is taking those hormones after menopause. That increases your risk for breast cancer. Now, those are the common ones people know and your doctor knows. But what's interesting is some of the ones I discovered are just coming to light. And I want to mention one, and this came to light through my doctors at the Cancer Treatment Centers of America. They said, if I had been keeping my vitamin D levels in the 70 to 90 range on the D uh, alpha hydroxy test, 
I probably wouldn't have gotten cancer. Now that's, whoa, wow, right? And now my doctors helped me to keep my vitamin D levels between 70 and 90. They were about 25 when I was diagnosed. They don't want you getting too high on the vitamin D. So your doctor has to work with you and order that test every so often. But I've learned for my weight, about 140 to 150 pounds, 5,000 IUs of vitamin D daily helps me to prevent recurrence. It helped me get through COVID. It helps prevent COVID and the, you know, not so good manifestation of it if you do catch it. And then in addition to that, it helps you with flu and other cancers. So vitamin D and heart. Well, I don't want to leave out the heart. So vitamin D is a win-win for every single woman and men. So those are important things to consider. But when I was at my oncologist appointment just about a month ago, Dr. Hansra, my oncologist said to me, he had read parts of my book and he said, my favorite part was the one about the chemicals that are coming into our body through our skin, through what we drink, through what we eat. He said, I do believe these endocrine disrupting hormones are driving many people's cancers. So that came from my oncologist. Now it already says that in my book, but here's an oncologist saying it. And then when I went to my gynecologist yesterday for my yearly appointment, she said the same thing. She believes it is these endocrine disrupting hormones we are putting on our body through personal care products and getting through our water supply. That's why we need to filter our water. That And it's on the crops and foods that we eat. Even though some of them are very healthy, they're carrying a pesticide residue. And those pesticides, glyphosate and Agent Orange pesticide, which are both heavily used on our crops in America and not in Europe, but they were found at high levels in my body. Now, I wasn't looking for that. I had gotten... I bought an infrared sauna because my integrative medical doctor told me I needed to get all the chemo um, chemicals out of my body quicker rather than waiting years and years for them to filter out on their own. And so I did that to speed it up. And I was part of a clinical trial study with the sauna company. And I thought they were going to test certain things. They were testing toxic chemicals in my body. And so I didn't know I had toxic chemicals in my body. And when the first report came back, there were 15 in the red zone in my body in the 80s and 90th percentile, one up to 98th percentile. And I started working at them and most of them were endocrine disrupting hormones, parabens, phylates, bleach was found in my body, gasoline additives was found in my body. And so it doesn't mean that everyone's body is that high, but that's certainly when I showed it to my doctors, they said, uh, yeah, this could definitely be a reason you got a hormone-fed breast cancer. And so, let me yeah. ask a question about that because um, I'm hearing things that are, yes, they're staggering. They're blowing my mind. So endocrine disrupting hormones, I want you to elaborate on that. And then how also, how did they find these chemicals in your body? There was testing for you that, that was identifying these And is that kind of testing available to anybody? It is available to anyone, but your regular doctor is probably not going to be the one to do it. You have to go to an integrative doctor or naturopathic physician for these tests. Mm -hmm. It comes from the Great Plains lab. It's a very reliable lab. It is a urine test. 
And that urine, from that urine, they can tell what levels the chemicals in your body are. And I had to pay out of pocket for the test. But when I did it under that clinical trial study, they followed me for months and I didn't have to pay anything for those labs. That's why I was part of the clinical trial study. But it discovered something I wasn't expecting to discover. Now, your other question, what is an interrupting hormone? They are chemicals that mimic estrogen in the body. They're not going to show up on your estrogen test because they're not the estrogen made in your body, but they're going to interact with what's already in your body and they can increase your estrogen load. You see, 80% of the women who get breast cancer are estrogen fed. They have an estrogen dominance issue. I did not have an estrogen dominance issue because my levels were measured before I was diagnosed. And what I found out was my estrogen dominance came more from the chemicals than from the estrogen in my body. Mm-hmm. And 90% of men, Dawn, that get, estro- that get breast cancer are estrogen fed. And God didn't make them to have, but it's just a little bit of estrogen. So that lets you know that And that's what both of my doctors were saying. It's the chemicals coming from the outside in, these estrogen mimicking chemicals Mm -hmm. that are really driving a lot of these cancers because they're combined with your own body's estrogen. And it's just too much. Mm -hmm. And so as you did this research, what other risk factors you were talking about? Okay, these chemicals that you connected vitamin D deficiency can be a risk factor. And so vitamin D feeds the immune system. Is that part of a depleted immune system? It enhances the immune system. And as I said, you know, for flus and COVID and all these things, it's very, very important. It's just a win-win and everyone should be on a certain amount of vitamin D a day. For me, it's 5,000 units, but a different weight or a lesser weight wouldn't take as much or might might take more. Let me tell you something else that was amazing about my breast cancer journey is that something that is now being listed as a risk factor just in the last year is called dense breast. I did not know I had dense breast until I got to the Cancer Treatment Centers of America and my three previous mammograms were sent up there. They pulled them up on a screen and they said, this tumor was here for the past three years. But it was missed. Why was it missed? Because I have dense breast and it's hard to find tumors on mammograms if you have dense breast. So dense breast is now being called a risk factor according to breastcancer.org and the American Cancer Society. And what I recommend that women do is when you go for your yearly mammogram, ask the radiologist if you have dense breast. 30 to as much as 50% of women do and mammograms are simply not reliable in that case. Now they've invented a 3D mammogram since I was diagnosed, which takes layers and it's better. But my doctor told me yesterday, my gynecologist, that she doesn't trust the 3D mammograms totally on patients like me who have dense breast. So what do you do? Okay, what do you do? You do the monthly checks. I never did that. I would rely on my doctor to do the yearly check, which was a good thing. But my tumor was growing so fast that four months before I was diagnosed, my doctor checked. There was no tumor to feel. Four months later, I caught it by accident. 
by providence of God. So I do believe in the monthly checks. A lot of women are finding their breast cancer before the doctor finds it, especially if they have dense breast. And you have the option of paying out of pocket through her scan that's scanning you. So it's her H-E-R scan. It's a mobile lab that's going through the Southeast Florida, California. You can pay like 200 and I think $35 and have a complete ultrasound of your breast and under your arms done. And when you go for a mammogram, if they find something suspicious, they go right to the ultrasound. So you're in this case, just going right to the ultrasound and doing the entire breast. And I think that I do that once a year, I pay out of pocket for it. Um, and then you can do a thermogram. A thermogram uses heat through a picture. And it shows you where blood supply and new activity because of heat generation may be going to a new tumor way before it becomes cancer. Mm -hmm. So I do a thermogram once a year. Now I'm high risk for it to come back. So I would recommend someone who doesn't have breast cancer to alternate your mammogram with an ultrasound the next year and maybe a thermogram the next year, knowing you're going to pay out of pocket for two of those, but it's a lot cheaper than the $600,000 journey I went through and what I put my insurance company through and what we had to pay out of pocket. So I look at that differently now, but the thermogram comes from a different point of view. The mammogram comes from a different point of view and the ultrasound is much clearer. And so if you can put in a mixture of those, especially if you have dense breasts, do not rely on that mammogram. So that sounds like a great place to start is to, when you do have your next mammogram, as you're doing your monthly breast exams, make sure you find out from the technician or whoever's applying those tests, do I have dense breasts? Because it sounds like those are dense breasts, hide tumors or create them or a combination of both. What is the might be a combination of both. It's definitely hard to see, but when they started listing it at a, as a risk factor, it sounds to me like there's more behind it. The fact that you have dense breasts, it sounds like it makes cancer more likely, but you'll have to check with your doctor about that. But the 3D mammograms are great. It's not good enough for me. I have to get an MRI almost every other year now. I do the self checks every month. I'm doing a thermogram. I'm doing an ultrasound. I'm having to be super cautious and people don't need to go that far. But if I was pre-cancer, I would have alternated. Knowing now that I have dense breasts, I would have done the monthly checks. I would do a thermogram one year, a mammogram one year, and then the next year pay for the ultrasound out of pocket. Mm -hmm. because so, mammograms are just not as effective on people with dense breast. Okay. So one in eight women are experiencing and one in maybe 16 men, you didn't give a statistic, but it sounds like more and more men, a thousand men, one in a thousand men, but men okay. should not get breast cancer. So it lets you know that something's not quite right. I will tell you this, that I went to a cancer clinic out, out West and a cancer coach was there and I had lunch with her and I just didn't understand why I had an estrogen fed cancer that I had no risk factors for. And she said, Jenny, we live in an estrogenic world. The estrogens are, estrogens are coming in through our skin, through the personal care products that we use. The average woman uses 12 every day. They're coming in through the water we drink. They're coming in through the food we eat, the air we breathe. And 
you know, people have to realize this so they can do something about it and reduce their toxic load. And I have three chapters in my book on reducing your toxic load, because I certainly, they can repeat those tests today and they have on me and my metals are down. They're all in the green levels now. All those toxic chemicals are now in the green level, but it's been hard work to get them there. I used sauna, uh, sweat is a very good way to do it, but you really have to be proactive about stopping the chemicals from coming in, you know? And I was lathering my skin with all kinds of lotions and cosmetics and the cosmetic company I used for 30 years had a lot of parabens and phylates in it. It's a name brand company. I won't mention it because I'm proud that they have now changed and they're starting a new product line without the parabens and the phylates going more by the European standard, which does not allow those things. Okay. And I'm hoping and praying that more cosmetic companies will do that. Yes. So say more about the reducing of the toxic load. What can we do? How can we be proactive? Um, yes. To share more about that. I would filter your water. I mean, extensively filter your water and please don't blame the water company. We live in the most toxic world we've ever been in since the garden of, of evening. We're, we're way far away from that and toxins are all around us. And so it's not the water company's fault that these toxins are sometimes very small molecules that they cannot filter out when it's millions and millions of gallons of water. If they distilled the water at their plant, which they couldn't do, but if they did, it would be 100% pure. By the time it got to your home, it would be dirty again. And so what they do is they put chlorine in it. They do filter it as much as they can. They do what they can. And then they put chlorine and fluoride in it. And what I would say is when it comes up to your home, the chlorine is a good thing. It keeps the bacteria out. But before you drink it, you need to pull that chlorine back out. And I'm not for drinking water with chloride or fluorine in it. So when you screen that, if you want fluoride for your teeth, fine, brush your teeth with it, but don't bathe your whole body in it. Those things can affect your thyroid. And you ask any doctor, any new nutritionist, if you are, have low thyroid, of course, that opens the door for many diseases, but low thyroid, they'll tell you not to drink tap water because of the chemicals in it and the things that have to be done to it. You really need that clean water. We all need that clean water, but it's coming in through the ground table, through the pesticide spray, all these things from uh, drugs and sewage systems. They can't get all these things out. Oh, right, right. So, Consider it your responsibility to take it a step further because the water company's doing the best they can. Yeah. And when you say water, I can picture people right away uh, getting plastic bottles of water. That's probably not helpful either, is it? I did that for a lifetime. You know, the only time I would drink out of a plastic water bottle, understanding hydration is the most important thing. If I was in a situation and I had been at a church picnic or some event where the only water offered is bottled water. Hydration is more important than not being hydrated. So you take it. But on an everyday basis to drink bottled water is not a good idea because the BPA contains these estrogenic chemicals and any other plastic they make to make it look better does the same thing. So I carry a Yeti. Here it is. I have several of these and here's my lemon water. I carry around, especially when I travel. Uh, I don't drink out of plastic. 
anymore. I drink out of ceramic or glass or this steel Yeti because I don't want to get those estrogenic chemicals in my body. And I don't have to be perfect because my body has five filtering systems, but I certainly need to make a good effort because I don't want my estrogen load going back up because my cancer could come back. Yeah. So, so that's what we need to get out of our body. What about, what do we need to put in our body? Are there foods we can eat? Um, I know by the way, we didn't talk about sugar, but I know sugar is, is very dangerous in terms of cancer. Like I heard that could be like gasoline on a fire, but are there things that we should be putting in our body? Oh yes. I mean, fruits and vegetables, nuts, seeds, herbs. I load up everything with this. I used to eat maybe three or four fruits and vegetables a day. I'm up to eight to 10. Some days I get 12. And this is a smoothie and it has six servings of fruits and vegetables and protein and all kind of superfoods in it. And it's made to taste like a chocolate, banana, blueberry smoothie. Blueberries lower your risk for cancer. Flax seeds ground lower your risk for estrogenic cancer. So this has in it every day, two tablespoons of ground flax seeds. So that is one way to lower your, your estrogen load, but any fruit and vegetable because of the fiber helps you to metabolize and get these you know, high estrogens out of your body, but flaxseed and cruciferous vegetables. Now I've got to toot the American Cancer Society here. They've been talking about eating cruciferous vegetables like broccoli, Brussels sprouts, kale, spinach uh, for ever since 1985. The evidence is overwhelming that it reduces these estrogenic cancers. And so I get two servings of cruciferous vegetables a day again in this. So this is my cancer fighting, heart building, dementia preventing, estrogenic lowering tool that I use every day. And you can change the flavor, but the chocolate and banana hides some of the things in there that you might not want to taste. So I just keep it that way. Now, are you getting that from a... uh supplement or are you putting the actual vegetables in a blender? How oh, I'm getting vegetables from a blender, but I do take what they call a dim supplement that can lower your estrogen. And I talked to my roommate at a cancer, cancer, a writer's conference recently, and her doctor saw that her estrogen levels were too high and she put her on the same supplement that I'm on. And I thought, well, isn't that being proactive that her doctor, she was going to an integrative medical practitioner, but that doctor was trying to get her estrogen low down through a supplement made from cruciferous vegetables. Beautiful. Well, this is so, so helpful and so insightful. And you write about this in your book called Unleash Your God-Given Healing, Eight Steps to Prevent and survive cancer. We didn't talk about the eight steps, but I'm sure that um, people can get your book and also your blog. Tell us about your blog because it's a health and wellness blog that you update on a regular basis, right? Yes, I post weekly. And as I find new research from more scientists and more doctors and what's on the cutting edge, I put it in that blog. So anything I find that's in addition to the book or explain something in the book further, 
it goes into that blog and I post again every week. And when they sign up for the blog, they will get it through an email weekly. It's well worth getting. Uh, there's just so much loaded information in there. I follow about 30 to 40 doctors, nutritionists, medical researchers. And so I get the cutting edge stuff coming into my box. And when I see something really, really neat, then I, I grab it and look into it further and then write an article about it. So I'm continuing to add to the base information that's in the book, but it's nice to have the base to get the skeleton and to get the big picture. And then the blog fills in in detail a lot of different things about the big picture. Yes, that's wonderful. One more thing, uh, Dawn, that people don't realize, and it took me a while to realize, um, I was big on the Victoria's Secret push-up bras, as a lot of women were, never thought one thing about it. And when you went for a bra fitting, you would lean over and they would just attach that bra, fasten it so tight in the back. You remember, you remember that? That is now not the thing to do. I'm not saying you can't buy a Victoria's Secret bra, but the ones with the metal wires that push up and lift, they interfere with the lymphatic activity in your breast that helps to drain and clear out things that might get into your breast that could eventually over the long term cause cancer. And this was first discovered by Dr. John Mayo in 1932, one of the men that started the Mayo Clinic. And then a husband and wife team, anthropologists, wrote a book called Dress to Kill and talked about the research and how wearing too tight bras can impact the lymphatic system in the breast. So now it's best not to wear a bra all day long. You certainly don't want to sleep in it and loosen them up and wear more natural fibers and don't, you know, constrict because when you constrict, the lymphatic system cannot do the job that God's given it to do. Wow, all of these things. And, you know, I think scripture comes to mind, you know, people perish for a lack of knowledge. And there are times where, you know, because of our ignorance, because we don't know, we don't know better, so we don't do better. But you're helping to make this available. And that's so incredibly important. Thank you for that. Now, if someone's listening to this, they would say, where do I start? I know you have eight steps. They should start by just getting your book. But yes. uh, can you briefly say to us the eight steps very quickly? First is hydration, proper hydration. And then you've got exercise, deep sleep, and then using food as medicine. Mm -hmm. The next step is simply gratitude. Gratitude has the most research showing that it lifts and enhances the immune system. And then using your faith to manage your emotions because all of the negative emotions have, have an impact on your immune system. And preventing cancer is all about the immune system. So is you know, COVID and flus and these kind of things. You might get the flu, but you're not gonna get as bad of a case if your immune system is strong. And so then, I have three chapters on lowering your toxic load. What are these chemicals? How do you, you know, lower it? How does your body work to lower it? What can you do to enhance that? And then your gut is so important because it is where 60 to 70% of your immune cells are in your gut. And if your gut is thriving and healthy, then your immune system is going to be strong. But people don't, I certainly didn't realize that all disease begins 
in the gut. So you go through chemotherapy, your gut lining is totally destroyed and you need to rebuild it. And that's what I had to do. So I give explicit instructions on rebuilding your gut. You eat the standard American diet, you're going to need to rebuild your gut. We all need to enhance and rebuild our gut. And I keep my gut in good shape now because, you know, I learned all this from the school of hard knocks. I don't want to learn again. (laughs) Oh, Beautiful. Thank you so very much. This is so inspiring and it makes me want to jump out there too and check on my vitamin D and get the book and burn my bra. (laughs) Yeah, we can have a bra. You know, unfortunately, we need those those bras during the day. We just want to loosen them up. And I try to buy all cotton ones if I can. Okay. That's a lot of them are made from from chemicals. From chemicals. Material. I know even Jenny, when I was, um, this is random and off topic a little bit, but when I was looking for some furniture and I kept seeing the, this code on, on these disclaimers telling me that the cushions and the foam were filled with chemicals. And I thought, I don't want my little grandchildren laying on a couch that's filled with chemicals, even in the fabric. So you're right. We are in a toxic planet and country and getting back to these basics and and lowering that toxic load. And well, I'm so grateful for the research that you've done. Tell us where we can find you. At www.jenny, G-I-N-N-Y, and then Brant, B as in boy, R-A-N-T dot and there are links there to the book, to information about the book, to my chapter on exercise. Gosh, I did mention exercise, didn't I? It's one of the eight because exercise was key in getting me through the cancer journey and it's key in preventing cancer and so many diseases. So that's the best place to find me. And yes, I do encourage you to get the book. Just take it one bit at a time. I had to do it all very quickly. My life was in danger. Uh, Most people listening to this are trying to prevent or prevent a recurrence. You know, take each chapter as it comes and then apply it and then try to, once you get that mastered and it's a habit, go to the next chapter. I mean, look, read it all at once and then go back and start implementing what you feel led to implement. You don't have to do everything that I say in the book. There are three categories for each step. First category is those just wanting to prevent that are on a budget. The next category is those people fighting for their life in the cancer journey. And the third category is those people who are super high risk because they've already had cancer and they're willing to go all out because they don't want it coming back. And so not everybody's in the same category I'm in. But the point is, if you can at least look at the things in category one and start to implement them for your family on a budget and make a difference so that you can prevent your children. I mean, children are getting diabetes at an all time unbelievable rate. It's it's one thing they're getting childhood cancers keep soaring. I mean, this should not be happening. And it's because, as my two doctors said to me recently, they believe a lot of it is due to the toxic world that we live in. And mine was largely due to toxins and to stress. Stress can lower the immune system. Sugar can stress the immune system out. If it's too high, 
your body's going to experience stress. If your blood sugar is too low, your body's going to experience stress. So you do want that blood sugar to be right. And you don't want to be feasting off a high carb diet. Well, we need to become students of our body. That's for sure. And we need to partner with God and live a life that's filled with wisdom, adding to our bodies what we should have, reducing what we shouldn't have. And, you know, kind of stepping out of denial. So very often, I think we think it's going to happen to someone else, but it's not going to happen to me. So we want to live wise. Thank you so much for being with us today. You are indeed a modern day Esther. You stood up for such a time as this. And I'm so thrilled that you made it through your journey so that the rest of us could benefit in such a a beautiful way. Thank you so much. And for you listening, thank you for joining us today on Arise, Esther. And I have a question for you all, you who are listening. What will you do with what you heard today? Is this your moment to arise? I hope you've enjoyed the podcast today. And hey, if you've not done so yet, why don't you subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you never miss another episode. Or you can visit us at ariseester.com. And while you're there, make sure you join the movement visit us today to get connected. For more information about me, Dawn Damon, visit dawndamon.com. And while you're there, you can sign up for a free breakthrough strategy session. Until we meet again, keep rising. This is your moment.